play and call it work. Mini Wargamer Dave here from MiniWargaming.com. Welcome, Wargamers, to another episode of Shrine of Chaos. Today, as you can see here, we have a very special guest. Say hello to Mr. Duncan Rhodes. Hello, everybody. I hope you're all doing very well. It's, uh, it's very cold here, so if you're in England, I hope you keep them warm. So we're going to be uh, talking with Duncan today. Uh, I hear this. Uh, if you guys hear the little uh, ringing in the background, that should be because people are donating to the Super Chat, which is uh, pretty cool because uh, I, I haven't asked for it or prompted it. It's just simply happening right now. And it's happening a lot, a lot, <laughs> which is odd because it's like it's almost sounds like it's happening automatically, which makes me think that it's just uh, can you guys hear that? If you can, uh, if you can say, yes, I can hear that. And if it's happening like every 10 seconds, I'm going to have to turn down the volume on it because uh, it's it's a little distracting. Um, yeah, but yes. Okay. I, I, I hear yes, yes, yes. So there's something going on there. Or or maybe it's just the fact that uh, I'm talking to you, Duncan, and uh, you are a popular guy. So uh, maybe <laughs> people just want to hear more of you. And they're thinking that if they... If they leave those comments and they super chat the comments, then uh, uh, they can uh, get get a comment to you better. So maybe that's just it Man, too. Life is very strange. <laughs> but thank you. Uh, and so, in fact, if you guys do have any comments specifically for Duncan, obviously I'll do the best that I can to get uh, as many as I can uh, of your comments to Duncan. But if you want one to stick out there, there is always the super chat. You could try that. Uh, and so. Uh, in the meantime, as you guys are calibrating yourselves and uh, thinking about what to say to Duncan, uh, I'm going to just ask you a few questions, Duncan. I'm going to uh, be selfish here and uh, have you all to myself for a few minutes and uh, ask you a few things, things that I wanted, uh, wanted to know. First and foremost, if you guys haven't seen uh, a couple of videos that Duncan and I have made together in the past, one, I interview him in person when I went to Warhammer World. Uh, that was a couple years, three, two or three years. It was a little bit, of, little bit ago yeah. that we did that, the interview video. Yeah where uh, I semi-seriously talked to you in that interview. And then there's another collaboration video where uh, I may have pretended to be you uh, at Warhammer World. Uh, and that was that was a lot of fun to do, I, I must say. Yeah. I, gu guilty pleasure. I had fun being you, Duncan, uh, at Warhammer World. <laughs> and getting an employee discount. Yeah, I remember that. I remember being tied up in the, in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know, somebody just mentioned you are the uh, Gretzky of miniature painting, and I must agree with this. Also being a Canadian, I double agree with this. I think that's a, that's a very good comparison. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how much you walk, watch hockey, but... Uh, is, that, uh, is that Wayne Gretzky? That is Wayne Gretzky, yes. I'm aware of it. As far as I understand, he's a nice guy, but I don't know much else. That's what I, that's what I see and hear as well. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I mean, that there you go. That 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 right. makes sense. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's nice to, be nice to say. <laughs> in in Duncan, we trust. As uh, I'm, re I'm I'm reading more of the comments. Uh, <laughs> Miss Ola Coates, you don't apply thinly. <laughs> I'm only wearing one at the moment. Okay, so uh, just to start start off some questions here. So Duncan, uh, uh, you know, there's a question on people's minds, which uh, which I'm sure some people, if they don't know already, uh, are thinking, and that's uh, you you've left Games Workshop. So, uh, if uh, is there anything you could say about that, and like uh, the, the leaving and and uh, why and, and so forth? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I've gone rogue, <laughs> loose cannon. Now. I play by my own rules. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, basically, um, 
so it's not just me that left. I left at the same time with a fellow called Roger Yates, who mm. um, actually way back when the painting tutorial video stuff started, he was a guy who worked in the video department and it was kind of like his vision and his idea of doing these tutorials. Right. And um, it was by chance that I ended up working with him on this uh, this How to Paint Sitter Miniatures DVD that came with one of these old painting books. Right. And the two of us really hit it off because we were both had the same kind of vision for it. Yeah. He wants to make these videos to help people get into the hobby. And I, like, my favorite part of what I was doing at the time was doing painting guides and trying to unlock things for people. Um, so the two of us have been working together closely for, uh, I don't know, eight or nine years now on this sort of stuff. And uh, now Roger's always had a dream of owning his own business, and he always wanted to when he was younger, but he's, of course, never really had the ability. And, he, and it's quite a scary prospect just to think I'm going to go out of my own and fend off. Right. I can fend for myself and do all this kind of stuff. And yeah. we just sort of came to the, the thought that um, people knew what we did in our work, and we had um, a platform of it. And um, we had a really good opportunity to go and do something for ourselves that a lot of people simply just don't ever get the chance for it. It seemed like a golden opportunity to realize, in particular for Roger, for these dreams. And for me, it was quite an ex exciting prospect to be able to go and do like, like forge your own way in the world. So we started talking about it mm -hmm. and we kind of came to the point where we both realized that if we never tried, then we'd always wonder what could have happened. And if we never did, we'd have regrets about never taking the opportunity. And it felt like it would have been a shame not to have a go. So right. um, we plucked up all our courage and we went for it. And uh, I mean, we didn't um, just do it. We like we were thinking about it. We learned quite a bit. Um, you know, we had to learn how to run a business and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and a whole extra host of skills on top of what we normally would do. Right. And yeah, so one day we made the jump and um, yeah, it's actually been a wild ride ever since. Um, it's been scary, stressful, um, but amazing and just like um, such a incredible feeling to um, to see things working. Right. So that's kind of really the driving reason for it. Um, we basically just wanted to like achieve that dream of becoming self-employed. Right. And uh, now we are. We were even discussing. We realised when we um, when we incorporated our business, and we, we were like, we realised that oh, we're joint business owners now. Uh, what shall our titles be? <laughs> so we were like, oh, well, I could call myself joint director or I could be emperor. So still in discussions about that. But it, yeah, it's been great. It's just the two of us just been doing this stuff it's been us this year. Um, and we've been handling everything. And it's been like spinning loads of plates, you know, the, mm. sort of the trick spinning plates and then running to go and make the other one spin and stuff. It's mm -hmm. kind of been like. Do you think there's so from what I understand from what I can see anyway? I mean, you're you're the face, you're in the videos, you're you're the talent. Uh, you, mm -hmm. uh, that's what. Uh, and then uh, Roger, right? Uh, his mm -hmm. his job is uh, the technical aspect. Uh, yes, that's right. So okay. Roger's the um, the the director basically and the producer for it. So he is the guy who is responsible for all the cameras, um, which ones we picked, um, mm -hmm. how the set looks. Um, and then he gets the footage, he takes it to his computer and he edits all together and creates the video. And he also maintains the website as well. So whilst I'm kind of generating all the stuff that becomes the content, he's the one who sort of works out how to make the content viewable for people. Right. And um, so these are kind of, um, 
it's similar circles to what we used to do at Games Workshop, um, except we've just sort of taken extra responsibilities on top of all this sort of stuff. So um, I also handle like the um, the customer interaction, like the um, like if you send an email to the website, I'm the guy who reads it mm-hmm. and I'll respond to it and handle that sort of stuff. I'll talk to people on social media and things. Roger's the one who will maintain the website, make sure everything's running and update it and all that kind of stuff. So it's just like an extra layer of responsibility on what we used to do. Right. And um, Roger's very much an unsung hero and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's quite uh, it's quite exciting to see him um for me anyway it's exciting to see him getting a bit more um exposure and so people can actually understand how big a part he's played in things because it's always just been you know like me as the face of it all um but really it's been a very close partnership that we've had all these years so yeah yeah no that's that's great uh and so for those who are wondering where to find your content uh, mm-hmm. i've included three links in this post right now so whether you're watching on youtube or facebook or twitch uh, you'll see links to your website and then your uh, your YouTube channel and then your Facebook page. Uh, yeah. And so, you can see the face of me as the face of it with all the website name and everything. I really don't like the website address as my name. It feels so like, you know, like, <laughs> hey, look at me, the website's named after. But like, we realized that, I mean, we went, before we actually started it, we had a whole host of different names of things we were thinking of for the website. Right. And Roger pointed out that people wanted to see me do stuff and once we'd left games workshop they might specifically be looking for my name so we may as well use that as a title of it so that's why we went with it that makes Um, complete sense yeah yeah. because you your name is a brand in the industry yeah and so when people think oh duncan yeah like i mean are there any other duncans in the industry (laughs) um Right, like I, I can't think of another Duncan in the industry. Like you, you come to mind when it comes to that. If you were to search in Google Duncan Warhammer painting, you come up and like it's it's all your stuff. So that actually makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you know it, the fact that you, as you said, like you're not you weren't a hundred percent comfortable with that speaks to your character, which is great. Which is why it absolutely should be your name, uh, mm. because you're not like oh yes, it should definitely be my name. Uh, it's like, no, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, it's even more deserved. Like it absolutely should be your name. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I mean like really, I, I find it always kind of awkward handling that sort of stuff because like all this stuff, um, like right at the start, none of it was ever about like, Hey, look at me, everybody. I'm the guy, you know, it's, it's always about the miniature is the star of each of these videos. You know, that's the key thing. That's what people want to see. Um, so yeah, it's quite an odd experience using that as, but like I say, it's the brand. I mean, we talked to other companies, um, after leaving Games Workshop, a whole host of these companies wanted to get in touch with us. Um, and they would refer to me as the brand, which I find very, like, odd. Right. Um, but I mean, it makes sense. I understand the logical part of me, like, sort of, like, looking up on this from a, a higher point, kind of understands. Um, but that's not what um, I want to be about ever. And I've been telling people all over the last few years, if this ever goes to my head, you kick my ass. And so if I ever do get cocky or arrogant about this, I expect people to bring me down to, you know, earth very quickly, violently. So <laughs> do, do you have, do you have a too thin, too thin coat shirt? Um, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Someone made one for me at Adepticon. Um, one or two years. I think it was Adepticon. Oh, Adepticon on Nova. Um, yeah, one of the people who came along for my painting classes um, and made a shirt, and they got hashtag two thin coats on it. I've still got it upstairs, um, and yeah, it's a nice green shirt. Do you so do you sell your own two thin coat shirts? No, we don't do that yet. Oh, um, you should totally. I a company selling them. I have seen a company selling them. Last time I went to Nova, there was a little stand selling all shirts with printed designs on, and one of them was hashtag two thin coats. And I was like, 
<laughs> that's weird oh uh, um, you, you gotta sell it yourself though it's, i know, I uh, know. I mean, we do we do have shirts with the um, the painting academy logo we, we had yeah. when we opened started the site loads of people were asking if they could get a shirt like what i wear in the videos and we were like okay so we just opened a, sh a shop on ebay and uh, not ebay and um, on youtube yeah um teespring that's, that's the teespring yeah um we, we it's um the shirts there are a bit more expensive than what we want them to be because um it's basically you've got to charge them like that to make sure that you're cutting the money makes it worthwhile running the thing yeah um but we're hoping in the future to open our own web store where we can have similar things on there but you know bit cheaper and stuff so you know that's 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 the goal that's the goal that's i i would i would wear a shirt that said tooth and coats yeah <laughs> i would uh it, even if it came in in white i typically like darker colored shirts uh, uh, -huh. uh i i would hope that there would be multiple uh, available but uh yeah <laughs> well, we threw around ideas like i've got this i've got this um coat for going out walking and stuff that's got like an inner fleece layer and you can unzip an outer waterproof layer and we were thinking could we just get that and then, like, have one saying first thing coat, and then the other one second thing coat. <laughs> we do that. Yes, so you I, should. 100% you should. <laughs> so, you know, one day I'm going to walk into doing some sort of painting class wearing this thing, and I'm just going to take off each layer one at a time and just see if anyone notices. You know what? I was also thinking it, it would be funny if I got a shirt that said, I am Duncan Rhodes. Yes, you yeah. should have one of those. Yeah, yes. Yeah, man. And for those of you who have seen the video, it makes perfect sense to you. <laughs> and if you haven't seen our video, that makes no sense. Uh... <laughs> Don't watch it. It's funny. Yeah. I, I, it's one of my favorite collaborations. Like, uh, out of all the collaborations I've done over the years, it's one of the favorite ones. I've, it, was just a, it was just a blast to do. Uh, and fun doing all this shenanigany stuff at Games Workshop. And I, yeah. and I felt like I was like, uh, I just like, it's almost like it was a school and I felt yeah. like I was like skipping class and running the hallways, causing a uh -huh. muck. But they were somehow okay with it. But at the same time, didn't want me to go too far. But mm -hmm. but still okay with it. Uh, and yeah. so yeah, it was just it was a funny. It was a overall a good feeling. So uh, yeah, it was it was great. Yeah yeah yeah. But all the people who at Games Workshop, they all just love the hobby, and they love when people love the hobby. And you know like. Um, basically any form of war gaming they're into it they're interested any sort of board gaming all that kind of thing so um i think they were excited about the fact that we were chatting to you guys because it was like sort of like sharing a mutual love of this sort of stuff yeah so i think that's why they liked it the, the people who work at games workshop they're all um they're all just really into it um so it's yeah i think they were just excited that kind of things were changing and they were becoming a bit more public facing you know, you know, I, okay, so this, this is one of the reasons why I like having different personalities on, on the show, because uh, for myself, like for you, in my eyes, you're, you're the professional painter. Uh, when it comes to painting miniatures, uh, you, you're the, the pinnacle of it, because everyone knows you, uh, they know your stuff, you're skilled at it, you have a ton of experience. And uh, for me, I'm a casual gamer. Uh, and so when it comes to like gaming or painting or lore, or anything like that. I do a little bit of everything, but I do each thing casually, and I just I have fun while I'm doing it. Uh, when I think of painting, I think of you, and I think of like I think of that, right? And there's other areas of the hobby, and I think of like other names associated with it. So, but with you, I think of painting, and so I, I think that's neat because there's a ton of stuff that a lot of people, myself included, can learn from you from that aspect of the hobby because it's. Uh, primarily the aspect of the hobby with kind of conversations i've had uh f with you in the past i know that you're 
into the lore a bit and mm-hmm. that uh, you also play the game so you do you do a bunch of that but in terms of like percentages of how much time you spend on the hobby and painting versus you know playing the game versus lore obviously mm-hmm. most of it's painting and, and hobby hobbying uh, yeah that's right yeah uh and so what so let's say okay in my case i'm your guinea pig okay so i it's been a lot of years since i've painted miniatures and i've just recently uh-huh. started to get back into it and i started my corn yeah. orcs army i'm doing a conversion of corn and uh world eaters and orcs and so <laughs> uh and i love it it's great it's like addictive once i get back into it like have haven't uh-huh. got and I, and I love it so much so what would be uh first off any any advice or tips or anything you would say to me as i'm forging ahead with that uh that endeavor um i think um so if i was thinking of that from a law point of view i would take it that the orcs kind of see the corn stuff and think yeah that's really cool but they don't really understand it um so i'd have them trying to imitate chaos marine units okay so that's the kind of approach i'd have so i'd be like all right so this orc unit is basically going to be the corn berserkers. So right. what can I do to them to make them like that? And I'd have them with like sort of totems stuck in the head of like corning star helmets things, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd also want to put in, um, I think, demon engines. Mm. But they'd be like, um, like weird orky creatures. Like maybe, like maybe instead of the, the hell brood, it's just like a really big orc, and they've had the armor plates on it and tried to make it look like a chaos dreadnought thing. <laughs> you know, okay, and, like. Rather than the power scourge like whip like things, he's actually like got a whip or something like that, or it's like a big chain and it's like a whole bunch of them chained to a stump of his arm and he just like flings them around, you know, trying to copy it. That's how I'd view orcs doing that sort of thing, rather than being directly possessed by chaos themselves. Right, um, like they've uh, orca- orcified the chaos. So yeah, speak, that's so. right, that's right. Yeah, like they're, they're trying to copy it. They don't quite understand the purpose of it, but then you could have it all kind of controlled by a guy who is actually possessed by a demon, mm. and it's like whatever it works you know because it like he <laughs> or maybe it's kind of almost a skeletal like villain where it's like you fools that's not how you worship chaos you know kind of thing. <laughs> this is the way and yet it's an orky way yeah exactly yeah. exactly I, I really like that sort of thing i mean yeah you're right when it comes to hobbying my my favorite thing is army building really i mean when it comes to the painting stuff um I don't really think of myself as like high-end painting. So it's like, a, I mean, you're right. In the hobby, there's all these different aspects of it. There's so much to it. And it's always a key thing remembering when you're working in it or you're making something that um, there's no right or wrong way for anyone to do this. It's like what their personal hobby is and everyone's got different realms that they tend to go in. Um, for me, my favorite thing is to learn enough about the law to then try and like represent it on the tabletop. And I usually find that my interest brings me up to an army of around about a thousand points. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you get like five or six units of different sorts of things. I like that kind of combination. Um, so like to take your, your comet orc example there i could imagine a demon prince being in charge of some big orc that's got some kind of demon weapon that's caused him to be possessed mm, um, and, that's a cool and idea have, but yeah I, I i then would probably have um a unit of knobs who are trying to be corn berserkers um, and trying to emulate them yeah um i think you could uh, having the ones like the freebooters with um with the big guns the flash kits they probably like if they had them they'd probably have to have them on the quiet because you know the, the corn demon wouldn't like it very much um, but big war machines big stomping things like maybe you could have some kind of um i, I know forge with those big squig things maybe you could use like larger creatures in the shape of maybe uh, no try to think of some of the larger squigs that you've got maybe you could use that and have like bits hammered onto them as if they're like cornate creatures 
Mm. Like maybe you could use squibs instead of flesh pounds or something. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, that's a good that's a good yeah. one too. I like that. Maybe put some armor, yeah. corn armor on the on the squigs. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. they're like, oh, those are kind of they're red as well. They've got big teeth like those dog things. Wicked. We'll have them. Um, they haven't got those frills on the back yet, so let's just like staple good. There we go. They've got big frills on the back. Yeah, that kind of thing. What do you think about like? <laughs> Having kind of like possessed, mutated, mechanical front legs on the squig, so they have four legs. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Big sort of like robot legs would be super cool. Yeah, or like you say, like mutated kind of legs would work really good. Yeah. Um, they could have just been sort of bred like that, like four-legged squigs. Why not? You know, they managed to figure out how to make them like slightly different. They all willed it to happen, and one day a squig was born and it has four legs. Wicked! It looks like you know. <laughs> well, they could be demon possessed themselves. You know, you could have them like um, they could be the core squig, but you could get like spare. Um, flesh down legs and have them like you know, green stuff them on so they're kind of splitting out of them or something mm-hmm. what would be cool is he, if he could make a unit of possessed orcs who are actually possessed by chaos demons mm. and have all weird sort of splitting open mouths and stuff and they're actually horrifying Ooh. but all the orcs just look at them going they're awesome they're cool I wish it could be like them but they have no idea why they're doing that that's a cool idea. That's a cool. I like that because then there, it's not just like another orc telling them to to worship corn. It's like they are truly possessed by chaos. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you can look at like bigger monsters, maybe bigger demons, or um, I mean, perhaps could you? Well, actually, no, Nurgle's going off track a bit. But you know, like in some of the Nurgle demons, they got their mouths splitting open. I could just see an orc with his mouth, uh, his mouth, um, his belly erupting open with a big mouth, big black fangs. You know, yeah. Um, just see that sort of really creepy looking stuff. That'd be cool. So I, for for the army so far, what I've done is I, I've converted a land raider into a uh, bone breaker. Mm-hmm. Bone breaker. Yeah, uh, it's called a bone breaker, right? Uh, the not the battle wagon, but the. Uh, the bone breaker version variant of it it's with the big roller on the front big it? roller yeah yeah uh and so i said that i i confused the name in my mind because i combined the names and i made up a new m- name and i call it the the mm-hmm. land breaker mm-hmm. so which makes sense right nice. and then uh <laughs> yeah that makes sense. and then i i made a hell brute and so what i did is i ripped off one of the arms and i put three <laughs> grots and they're shooting their pistols and i i attached <laughs> the the weapons that uh a wrathmonger uses and uh-huh. so there's like whipping hammers with chains uh so that's yeah. the, that's the power scourge right on the one side yeah yeah and the other side i have a, a bunch of daca with guns just strapped as the other yeah tons of guns yeah tons of guns and then i have dead tau of course on the base of it uh, <laughs> i like your choice very good yeah <laughs> you can have anything dead in there it'll be tau tau uh, yeah, and the side is it's a platform. There's a little platform on the side, so the 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 grots can actually step on it. And uh, the gun arm is another grot, like manning the guns with, a, mm-hmm. with another little platform. So that that's the hell brute. Uh, that sounds and, really fun. And the next thing, the next thing that I'm working on is uh, the uh, grots and cultists because I figured that's like the closest equivalent. Mm. And so it's going to be a combination of some grots are going to be piggybacking on other grots. Uh, mm-hmm. So that'll count as like one cultist uh, or one mm-hmm. grot, I guess. And uh, some will be uh, gr- a single grot, but like in cultist clothing. Mm-hmm. And then some will be cultist sized grots <laughs> with a grot head. So it's all going to be mixed yeah. matched of like uh, cultist grots. I see. So it's all like hiding and pretending to be these cultists. You've seen the cool chaos cultists and like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, you know, you got to have you know, units of grots. And cultists, so I can play them both ways. I can play in world eaters or or orcs. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. I did see once was um, someone got plague bearers and gave them orc heads. 
and kind of like orc weapons that they were sort of dragging along behind him like zombies. Nice. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, maybe that could be like some creepy emaciated like cannon fodder thing, especially if you paint them in um, like more fleshy colours rather than the normal greens. Like if you bring it more into like warmish tones, they look really creepy and weird. Yeah. There's so many, you know, there's so many good reasons to orcify things. <laughs> well, I, actually, I'm, I'm, it's quite funny you're doing orcs, but it's based on corner. And corner's always like your your thing. Your <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I, yeah, I just, yeah, I just, yeah, it's like the corn. Suit of armor with the, uh, yeah, with the suit of B uh, 51 power armor, is it from Fallout? Yeah. But it's actually, it's, it, it's weird um, that, like, what are the odds? This week, um, just yesterday we did a painting video we filmed one which was for a corn berserker so it's like oh what's that? you know should be the same week that we're chatting about things but i was kind of curious and i realized there's no accidents <laughs> no there's no, no accidents but i'll tell you what actually doing this video like, often when you do the painting video when you finish the thing it's very much a job so you're doing like yeah that model's really cool but now i'm ready to move on to the next thing and you end up like having a taste of all sorts of stuff every now and then you hit something that you're like oh actually i really enjoyed doing that and this corn berserker i was like actually yeah i really quite enjoyed doing that because uh, building them, I actually ended up building them on my last few days working at Games Workshop, and it's the modern Chaos Space Marine with some of the Forge World bits on it. Yeah, and they just look super cool like that. Like, yeah, I agree. Some more of those. That'd be pretty sweet. So, <laughs> uh, so what? That's that's fantastic uh, solution to the old Berserker problem. Uh, I I like going the uh, Blood Warrior route and mm-hmm. uh, using that armor. Do, mm-hmm. do you know anything? Uh, it down the pipeline, which I'm sure you can oh. say, even if you did know, but uh, uh, in terms of uh, new berserkers and uh, the possibility. Oh, no, no idea. No idea. Uh, but these things, um, I, we, we've kind of reached the point now where I would have typically seen things anything six months to a year before it came out and the various jobs I was doing, but I wouldn't really be involved in them right. until maybe three months before they came out. Right. Um, so the, like, the Slanesh stuff they've been teasing now, for example, that was beyond the barrier of what I'd see stuff. Uh, last year I was aware of things like the Mega Gargant and the Lumineth and all that sort of thing on the way but it's quite nice now to be surprised about stuff again yeah. um, it was also a bit of a double-edged sword knowing about what was coming out because you'd get excited about it but you couldn't do anything about it so like I saw the Imperial Knights a full year involved in that project and doing the painting schemes on them full year before they came out and I was like these are amazing but I've got to leave them there for a year <laughs> and I can't talk to anyone about it and oh how does that... I don't want to paint anyone means I want to paint them how did that <laughs> I mean like how did that feel having to hold on to that um, those constantly of, it's really constant it was at the time right it's like constant new stuff that you yeah. can't talk about so how, how was that yeah it's you kind of get used to it after a while you it, you realize that you may as well not know about it because there's nothing you can do about it so right it loses its luster after a bit yeah um, i was curious if i'd miss it after leaving but i haven't really it's quite exciting to see um because i do know the people in the um, in communities marketing uh, department but there's always lots of effort putting into the reveals and the announcements and it was always kind of a shame when something got leaked because the the build-up excitements sort of path that they created would suddenly be kind of thrown to the side and it's like quick just do everything straight away so yeah it's quite fun seeing them you know tease things and lead into them um but yeah, I just ended up kind of becoming a bit passive about it. So like I'd see the thing, like I remember for ages I was wanting to do a Chaos Space Marine army and I was like thinking of what I could do. And I, I actually converted the Corn Berserker using um, the, like how you're describing, using bits of Blood Warrior and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, maybe I could do regular Chaos Space Marines like this because I'd like to do undivided troops and stuff. And then I saw the new ones in the cabinet in the camera room and I was like, oh man, 
no point in me converting those now, is there? <laughs> They'll wait a year for them to come out and just do them. So, yeah, it kind of, it doesn't. But also at the same time, what you can find is that um, you can end up, if you're really into something and you really want to paint some stuff, um, the company will sometimes give you some of these things early so you can paint them as part of the uh, the promotion of when the product comes out. So you might get these things like two months before they come out. And you paint them and you're dead excited about them. But by the time the actual release is happening, you're then looking at what the next exciting yeah. thing is. And so the big release happens and you're sort of like, yeah, those Chaos Space Marines were great, but I'm actually interested in the next thing. Yeah. So, yeah coming out. That, that was part of the reason why their workshop was always very quiet about what was coming out next, because, you know, they want to have the, the new product that everyone's put this work into. They want to have this day in the sun. And if everyone's too busy looking at what the next thing is, then it's kind of a shame. So, yeah, so, it was it, it was a funny thing. So, okay, so some rapid-fire questions in terms of uh, your channel and uh, your process. Yeah. So uh, uh, how, how do you determine your release of videos? Do you... Is it on a schedule? Do you do one a week, one every two, one a month, or is it just as you make them? Um, we um, make anywhere between three and one videos every week. It depends on the complexity of the model, but we make sure that every week there's new content coming out. Mm -hmm. um, we also schedule it so that every two weeks we put a new painting video on our YouTube channel. Um, so typically, for every one video you see on our YouTube channel, there'll be three more on the website of similar or greater length. Um, and some of these videos are quite long. Some of them go up to near an hour long for big complex models like the Silent King or a Keeper of Secrets or something like that. Right. Um, but the choice about what to do is extremely difficult because it's hard enough just doing Games Workshop stuff. But when you open it up to everything, there's so many cool things out there. And suddenly you're like, right, so this month we've got in our schedule enough for eight videos. We know one of them's going to be a big video that's probably going to be a big Warhammer kit because those are the most popular things. How do we do the rest? Well, we need to do a World War II thing. We need to do something else historical. We need to do something for, I don't know, Modifius have got a new Fallout thing coming out, so we want to do something for that. So it becomes quite tricky trying to balance it. But we know that Warhammer things are the most popular, so we try and put like one of those in every week and schedule it like that. But yeah, we do we do schedule it, and we do try and balance the release of content, so there's a bit of something for everyone each month. So do you, how do you determine what you choose in terms of the painting tutorials? Do you do it by what you want? Do you do it by popularity? Do you do a combination of both? Like, how do you choose that? Um, so I certainly do have my own personal whims of what I'd like to do, but we can't ever fall into the trap of just doing what we want to do. It's got to be what people want to see and what they're struggling painting and what they want to you know, be unlocked. Um, so we, we have a forum on the website where we encourage members to post what they'd like us to do and our ideas and things like that. And they can also use this contact form on the website where they can email us directly and I read the emails. We make lists of what people want to see. Um, but generally it'll be things like um, core stuff that everyone's going to want to know how to paint and popular things. And then like, if we get interesting subjects suggested to us, we'll go towards those two. So for Warhammer, for example, the obvious thing is we're going to be doing some Space Marines and Necrons because that's what the biggest thing is at the moment for the core sets. Mm -hmm. um, with Age of Sigmar, um, we haven't done any Stormcast yet, but um, we'd be looking, or even the Nighthorns, but then we did loads and loads of that at Games Workshop. So, you know, um, whenever Age of Sigmar gets a new box set, and I'm sure it will, um, we'll look at whatever's in that new set and we'll do some more content based around that. But we're also trying to work our way through all the major factions. So we're trying to do like a Tyranid, an Orc, a Eldar, you know, 
kind of cover everything and then go into the more specialist troops. So right. the goal is to make a comprehensive library of everything. Now, when it comes to other game systems and other wargaming eras, we try and think of what's going to be popular and what would be a good thing to crack. So, for example, with historical, we went, okay, so in England, loads of people like doing Napoleonics, so we'll do a British soldier and a French soldier, so it's all based around Battle of Waterloo. Um, then we thought, all right, so what else is popular in historical? Well, ancients are Roman legionary, which you can see on our YouTube channel, and we've done a barbarian on the website as well, so a Gaul warrior to fight him. Um, and then we kind of want to continue like that with historicals, so it'll be something like a Greek and a Persian, for example. Um and yeah, and for the other games, again, it's kind of core stuff. So with Modiphius's things for their Elder Scrolls game, we've been doing things like Stormcloak Warriors, the Dragonborn, we're going to do Imperial Legion soldiers, that sort of thing. Right. So it's kind of the core stuff, but we do put in more unusual things at the same time. So when you make your videos, do you script what you say? Yes. Well, not specifically what I say. What I, I do script. And what I do is I write the order in which I'm going to do things. And it's it used to be very verbose back at Games Workshop when I started this. It used to almost be word for word. But Roger ground that habit out of me so that what I was saying was natural. And he's done a lot of training with me so I can just present it and effectively make it up as I go, what I say. Um, I just know that in this stage, I want to use this color on this palette for this specific reason. This is a thing to watch out for. This is how you avoid a mistake there. And so I, my script will have just said, I don't know, Avalanche Sunset. But I'll know from having done my testing, my practice, and from just experience, I guess, that in this step, I also need to mention these things. So the script really just looks like a list of paints, just colors of what I'm going to use in any little extra bits of detail. But yeah, they're very short and very concise these days. So there's a there's a, certainly a, a formula to, to what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's swapped out with different words, but it... Uh, services the same things i guess the same points across kind of yeah and it varies from model to model and there'll be specific things and i mean with the historicals it's um it can be like a good um because getting into a, something like that is quite an intimidating thing because people don't want to paint something the wrong color or anything like that so it's a good opportunity to say things like all right if you're going to be painting this roman soldier we're going to do is tunic red um, which is the common thing people see, but the fact is that no one really knows if they're war red or not. So you can use any colour you want here, but the same sort of thing applies. And the most common things that people tend to accept will be reds, um, khakis, whites, that sort of thing. Um, so it's, it's a good opportunity to introduce things like that and suggestions and ideas. So in the Corn Berserker one, again, we talk about, we paint basically the armour corn red. Makes sense, right? But we're like, there's no hard and fast colour, so any red you want, whatever you want to do to make it match your army, just go for that red, but this is how you apply it and this is what you do. Um, so it's kind of, it's Roger's training really has got me to this point where we kind of understand that everything I say has to be important information. Right. So it's Concise. no like, yeah, it's not, we'd never start a video going, Hey everybody, this weekend I did this thing and it made me think about this and that led to this and this and this and that. And so in the end I decided, okay, cool. What we'll do is paint a chaos space Marine. You know, it's like, we're going to show you how to paint a chaos space Marine and we're going to show you everything that you need to know about it. And then it's like, right, go. What's the first thing? What's the second thing? What's the third thing? And all the way, it's supposed to be like as crammed, as dense information as we can get it. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's the that's the concept. And if I start rambling, like I'm doing now, um, <laughs> Roger will clip me around the ear on the right hand side of my head, so you can't see the bruise. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's actually interesting. You should say that because uh, about the the concept of making things concise and uh, and the different styles, because uh, there there are other miniature painters. Who are making tutorials who have the opposite style 
of mm. of the ramble. Mm. Uh, and there's actually, uh, if I were to categorize it, there'd be three. There'd be your style, which is the the clean and concise, which is very much like your painting. It's funny. Uh, it's it's that's your style. It's uh, information. It's chock full of good, dense information. And then you have the people that ramble, and it's long, kind of raw, uncut. And then you have the people that also ramble, but it's not a ramble. It's it's it is a story because it's it, it's edited in such a way where you're following a story as they're painting yes. the miniature and they just happen to be painting a miniature as the same time as they're telling the story. And so I think that, uh, depending on your style that works for you, like your style works for you. You guys have honed in on this, uh, the certain thing and it's working very well for you guys. Uh, and, yeah. and it's comfortable. I'm, my guess is that it's, it's, it feels good and natural and it's comfortable and it's, uh, it's within your skill set to make that really work for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you, you kind of, you notice after a while you get trends, especially on YouTube, um, and YouTube is very much um, the stuff that does really well on it is things that are kind of entertainment in a way. Yeah, it seems to be the direction it's going. So you can certainly see a lot of the the bigger channels, especially. Um, they won't always just do a guide on like this is how you paint this model. It'll usually have some other playful element to it, and it's like at least to an entertaining thing. But um, we're I don't know stuck in our ways. <laughs> Than I describe it, but we kind of like we know that people find the content we do to be really nourishing, yeah. um, so that's why we sort of stick to our particular format. But everyone's got their own likes and their own preferences and things, so it's not to say that the way we do it is right or anything. It's right. just what we found works for us. Um, so yeah, everyone kind of finds their own way. And I, you know, I like that. I think they're actually that all the styles are needed mm -hmm. because they oh, contrast yeah. each other so well. And if yes. you if you you know you're watching the the longer form, for example. And you're like, you know what? I want to watch one that's more concise because I want to get the information uh, quickly and I don't want to have to wait a long time for it. And, I'll, mm -hmm. and, and it's very clear instruction. Okay, I'll watch Duncan's video. Uh, and so, and I think it's the same thing with battle reports because there are battle reports where they show every dice roll. There are battle reports mm -hmm. where they show turn recaps. There's battle reports that are narrative and you follow a story. There's battle reports mm -hmm. that are shorter, 30 minutes long and longer live, four hours long. There's many different mm -hmm. types and depending on your style, depending on what you want to do and what you're doing as you're watching it. You could be painting and listening to them in the background or, or, yeah. or you could, you just want to sit there and watch the whole thing and be entertained by the whole thing and watch every second of it. And, and so yeah. I, I like that there is a variety of different types of content within the, like you have a painting genre. There are many mm -hmm. different types of painting type videos within your mm -hmm. genre. And, and I think that's yeah. super cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think you get that with a lot of stuff. Everyone's got their own preferences of how they like things. Just like in the hobby in general, people like have their own preferences of how they do stuff and what kind of games they play and what they collect. Same when you consume content. Because um, I know what you mean. I like, um, well, I, I'd say I listen to the battle report rather than watch it because I'll kind of like have it playing whilst I'm painting. Yep. And usually it'll be a, um, a game based around what I'm doing. And it'll partially to be to help understand the game if it's a new thing I've not played before. Yeah. Other times it's because I just simply like the people who are doing it and I just find it, you know, nice and it feels like they're there with you and you're just sort of sharing some time together. Like a fly um, in the wall. Same podcasts. podcasts. Yeah, exactly, yeah. There's a lot of podcasts that I find are just really nice, like especially ones where people are like playing Dungeons & Dragons and you're like, you're following the story of things and sort of, you end up, um, if anyone's ever played a role-play game, you'll understand that. You get these situations happening where um, it's like you had to be there because it's so funny to the story and the experience that you're sharing. Um, when you're listening to a podcast of people playing these games, you get the same sort of feelings. So that's always a really good thing to do. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you feel immersed kind of like, yeah, you're right. Like you feel like you're right there with them. 
Uh, yeah, and especially in the current times, if there's something that you're really interested in, but you can't like meet anyone to play these games, and you're sort of like just doing the the thing on your own, you can end up running out of steam a bit for it. So I find at the moment that sort of content's especially great because it makes you feel more enthused about what you're doing. And then you know, once everything goes back to normal and you've got your army all painted because you stayed enthused about it, you think you'll meet up with people and play those games. All right, so uh, okay, let's let's play a, a short game. Let's do uh, a lot of people are asking for podcast recommendations. And oh, so, yeah. And so I'll say one and then you'll say two. And then I'll say one and then you say two. Oh, crikey. You're going to make me like, <laughs> I won't be able to think of one. <laughs> and I guess I they could be anything. I don't, have the, I don't have the list of ones I'm subscribed to. Hang on a minute. Maybe I can look at my phone. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll start it off with, uh, with independent characters. I think they're great. Uh, oh yeah independent characters they are lovely those guys they're really nice I, I, I met up with some of those guys and chatted with them at Adepticon um, they, they were a lot of fun a lot of fun well here we go um, alright I tend to subscribe to just a few which I really enjoy um, but, uh, but yeah okay so is it, my, is it my turn now yes yes your turn okay um, so the first one I'd recommend is called On the Table Gaming who's um, run by a fellow called Chase and this started out for the um, A Song of Ice and Fire Miniatures game by um, by Cool Mini or not. And he was part of, he was in the Kickstarter and he just got excited. So he's made this podcast and it's still going. It's been going for years. And um, he is just great because he's one of those guys who's just really enthusiastic about it and just loves it. And so it just makes you feel really happy just listening to him talking about the latest news and these things. And he talks about other games. He's done um, Star Wars Legion in there. He's done some historicals. He's done a couple of others. He's done Marvel Crisis Protocol. Um, Ice and Fire is kind of the, the core running theme. But uh, but yeah, that's one that's one I really like. I listen to that one every week. So that's great. So um, I hope Chase listens to this. Hello, Chase. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say the next one um, is one that's a real play of Call of Cthulhu, and it's called How We Roll. Mm. Um, so they've been doing this for a number of years. They've got a few little one-off adventures in their early stuff, and then they start going into longer campaigns. And um, they've actually got some of the people um, playing their game who write the Call of Cthulhu rules, and um, they're just really, really funny, like really funny. Um, so there's a long campaign called The Masks of uh, Nyathletep, who is one of the Cthulhu Elder Gods, and they play kind of the... Um, uh, the prequel to the main campaign and oh my god it's one of the funniest things I've ever listened to as this campaign goes off the rails but the guy who's running the game is the guy who also wrote well, was involved in writing that adventure so he knows it inside out so he's able to react um, but it ends up with the characters like starting to form a cult and all this kind of stuff it's so funny definitely recommend that one that's how we roll how we roll yeah <laughs> yeah uh, Okay, so life after the cover save. If uh, you like uh, the the bantery fun aspect of the mm-hmm. tabletop, specifically forty uh, k hobby, uh, that that's a fun one to listen to. Uh, Blake and Ed, they're fun guys. Uh, I've had the privilege of being on their show um, once or twice, a couple times mm-hmm. I think, uh, and they were on the show once too. Uh, so, uh, all right, all right, your turn, and then we'll 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 end after your turn. Okay, dokie. So I've just been checking some of my list on here. It's tough picking favorites out, really. Um, all right. So, so I'd like to call out another um, Cthulhu game play one. This one's called Tones and Tentacles. Um, this is by a group called Encounter Roleplay. And again, it's like one of those ones where you sort of get swept away with a story and you get involved in it. But the games master is um, 
Oh, God, I can't remember his name. He's one of the guys that writes novels for 40K. Um, he wrote some of the Horus Heresy ones. Ben Counter. I believe it's Ben Counter. But yeah, he's the games master for it. And, and um, it's about a theatre troupe, like a you know play um, cast, who um, basically get a play called The King in Yellow, which again is one of the elder deities from Cthulhu. And they start reading this play, and then weird stuff happens. And it's about them trying to survive the weird stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And again, it's one of those things where all the players play their characters so well that you just really get into the story. So it's about, um, I think it's about 24 episodes of about an hour each, so it will last you for quite a while listening to it. But that one, very, very funny. I definitely recommend that. Um, and um, I would say, I suppose I ought to pick one that does Warhammer and stuff, shouldn't I? See, I, I tend to listen to ones that tell stories and things. Um, so how about I suggest... The story ones um, are cool because they, you, you know there's a lot of thought and deliberate kind of production that goes into those. Uh, yeah, a lot of prep yeah. work, a lot of research and, and work that goes into to those ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I, I suppose to throw out Critical Role, which is like, um, I guess people know about Cliff. That one's been going for years and years. And again, it's like super high quality Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I would say Garage Hammer, I suppose. Um, now, this is one that um, I go back to every now and then for their talk about the uh, the end times for Warhammer Fantasy, hmm. because what they've got is a selection of podcasts that go really in detail about the storyline of that stuff. And they kind of read through the books and they have um, like... Um, sort of radio plays a certain segments of the story where they the people who do the podcast read out the characters and sort of like put effects and things on it so that's really cool um but yeah they go into the story and sort of the, the tale of it and analyze what the characters are doing and things and I mean, it, on one hand it's quite sad as you go through it and they realize that the end of the world is actually going to happen because at the start they think that everything's going to turn out all right and then they realize that no 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 the world is going to end <laughs> so it's a bit like uh, when they realize that but uh, they do such a good job of it and you can see they're so passionate for it that I've, i that's one that i like to go back to every now and then just to sort of enjoy that um, that said when age of sigma started they really dived into that as well and followed it through through its evolution to what it is now so yeah that's uh, that's a nice one to listen to as well so uh, okay so we're gonna change gears a little bit uh and mm-hmm. talk to you duncan about uh non-wargaming stuff for a moment just to okay. kind of dive into the mind of duncan so mm-hmm. uh what's your favorite movie Oh, man. Oh, that's tough. Um, can I only say one? Uh, oh, okay. Yes, you can only choose one. What would be What would be the movie? Uh, all right. Uh, Waterloo with Rod Steiger. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah, a bit of a niche one, but it's about the, the Battle of Waterloo, funnily enough. And um, yeah, Rod Steiger plays Napoleon. I forget the name of the fellow who plays Wellington, um, but it's great. It's just great. If you um, When you watch it, you've got to remember it was made in the... 60s or 70s so this is during the cold war right yeah and they basically got the russian army to play the part of all the soldiers and they make uniforms for everybody and i kid you not apparently when this movie was being filmed and all the actors were in place drilled and trained to maneuver in napoleonic formations apparently it was the sixth largest army on earth in one place at one time and that's how many extras there. There's a shot where Napoleon's uh, before the day of battle, and the French army is marching towards the, the actual deployment where they, you know, the hill where they're starting them. And um, he, Napoleon's sort of there, basically he's not feeling well. He's got his head in his hands, and all these troops marching past him are all in like what's very actually close to being the correct uniforms for it. Like there's a few corners cut, obviously, but they all look the part. And there's so many of them. There's thousands of extras all marching in formation. It's incredible. So yeah, that's a great film. I definitely recommend it. That's uh, you know, I love that because 
they can't fake it back then, right? Mm-hmm. Like those are real extras yeah. and all those uniforms, it's all real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's cheesy. It's really cheesy for the time. Like, you know, the the acting's a bit over the top and stuff and there's like some <laughs> there's some great bits in it. But it's just, it's so good. If, if you want to watch a historical um, military war movie, it's like, it, it's just brilliant for the sheer spectacle of it. If you want to get a feel of how big these battles were, then it's about the closest thing I've ever seen to doing that. So for those of you who have just come on to the podcast, the live stream of Shrine of Chaos with us today, you are currently watching it live. Duncan Rhodes is my guest. Uh, we're currently talking about Duncan's favorite movie, uh, Waterloo. Yeah, he recommends. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to choose a couple more, what would you recommend for movies, for movie watching? Oh, so movies who kind of like formed my um, uh, my way in life, I guess. So I would say uh, the original Star Wars trilogy for me, um, when I got introduced to those, that completely swept me into science fiction. Um I think my favorite out of the three is probably Return of the Jedi, which might be a bit controversial, but it's because I like seeing the realization of Luke becoming the hero character. Yeah. And you know, you're seeing all the heroes come together and being greater than some of their parts when they're working together. So that's why I like that one. Um, I really like Starship Troopers as well um, from 97. Um, I watched <laughs> that when I was a bit too young to watch it. Uh, <laughs> weirdly, I was... Um, yeah, I, we just got a super cheap deal last minute holiday to Jamaica and we turned up, we were jet lagged. I couldn't sleep. So I turned on the TV in my hotel room and it was Starship Troopers. No idea what it was, but I wasn't a Warhammer at the time. And I was like, this is like God, there's Tyranids. This is amazing. <laughs> so yeah, that's a favorite of mine. Um, oh, let me think. What else? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Independence Day. I really like Independence Day. Um, very cheesy action film, you know, super over the top, but Will Smith's hilarious in it. And um, I, it's got my favorite film extra ever. The one guy during the president's speech at the end who does the most dramatic salute ever. He's brilliant. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, those are things that jump out off the top of my head. Um, oh, Gettysburg. Gettysburg's a great film for, again, another historical war film. That's really fun. Um, I like that they basically just got loads of historical reenactments to all turn up to do their part and you can see they just love it so yeah that's a good one so okay let, if you were to all of a sudden remove miniature wargaming from your life and painting and all aspects of it uh, what would Duncan be doing? Mm. Well, how would my life have turned out? Um, I don't know because it's kind of like it's become such a part of um, my everyday life, I guess, it's kind of hard to imagine being without it. I mean, I suppose if I couldn't do that and had to do something else, um, I'd probably spend more time doing a reenactment because I started doing historical reenactments a few years ago. I'd probably be more into that. Um, I don't know. I, I'm a very creative person, really. I just like making stuff. So mm. like, my favourite part of the hobby is making these armies and painting them and bringing them to life. Um, so I'd probably you know, doing some sort of building. Um I don't know, maybe Lego. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so, um, I so a small hobby of mine is I find um, people who make Lego models of things that look incredibly realistic. I find this absolutely mind blowing. Yes. Um, I don't. I don't know if you ever saw Adepticon. There's like a, a shopping mall nearby, or at least where it was. And in there, there was a shop called Brickmania, mm-hmm. which made um, military things, but Lego kits. So they'd buy in the Lego, they'd re box it and then sell it as kits huh. so you'd buy things like sherman tanks or panzer fours and things like that and it's like it's expensive stuff but this the models look so realistic and like you see it and it's like oh that's a cool tank and then you get that's lego bricks <laughs> and i find that it's like totally absorbing so i sort of follow people who make um 
these kind of Lego models online. And uh, anyway, I, um, I saw this year Lego have tried to buy into that and they've made a realistic Lego train. So I might have accidentally gone and bought it and it arrived today and it's just over there. So I'd probably be building stuff like that. <laughs> really nerdy stuff, really childish stuff. That's what I'd be doing. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So here's a question from uh, Miso Miso 82. Uh, what's it like being on the inside of GW compared to watching it from the outside? And was there, and was he, uh, were you there for the big changeover when the new CEO took over? Yes. Um, yeah, I, so I was there when that sort of stuff happened. So being on the inside is quite weird. I mean, um, Games Workshop's a very close community, so when you start there, you very quickly make friends because everybody loves the hobby in some way or another, so there's like a common thing amongst almost all everybody. Um, I suppose you kind of see, um, like you get a hint of the real, like why they're doing certain things. So like they, um, by, in my, my opinion, I think Primaris Marines have come along because they kind of thought, well, what could we do to update Space Marines? Let's make them look awesome. Yeah, now they're awesome. Like, I imagine that's, like, probably the kernel of it because it kind of comes down to what's going to be the coolest experience for people, what's going to look the most awesome. So what are the, could these, are, are the reasons why we could, why we should not make things awesome? What can we do about that? Like, there, there's kind of a thing about that. It's about trying to make as cool a thing as possible, I think, and everyone's really passionate about that. Um, I think it's funny as well watching rumours um, so like going back to earlier when we're talking about knowing what's going to come out um, it's quite funny because you sometimes see people make stuff up like oh I've seen what the, I remember one someone said they'd seen the new Lord of the Rings box set and it had new warriors of Minas Tirith against new orcs and we were like no there isn't <laughs> that's just literally made up and people in this forum were discussing it in detail and arguing about it and stuff and you're like oh man like if only you knew um, it is really exciting seeing something that's coming out that you know people are going to love and you can't wait for them to see it um, so that was the case with the sort of the second edition of Age of Sigmar, seeing like the new looking Stormcast and knowing uh, they look cooler than the other ones. They've got these extra robes. They feel more like a Warhammer-y thing. It's going to be cool when people see that. Um, so it is really cool doing that. I, I remember that when Titanicus was being developed and seeing how cool the Warlord Titan model was. Mm -hmm. um, that was something that I was really excited to see what the reaction of the community was going to be. Um, yeah, it, it's it's quite strange. It, I like. Like I was saying earlier, after a while, you sort of take it for granted seeing things as they're being developed and having these contacts. And you do kind of end up just chatting to people who, um, like, when I was growing up, like, I'd read in White Dwarfs names like Ali Morrison and Dave Andrews and people like that. And you kind of, like, think to you, you meet them, and at first you're like, oh, my God, it's Dave Andrews. And then you get talking to him and realize he's a little bit shy and he's actually just a really nice dude. And um, you suddenly, like, realize these people are people too. And the things that the company does, it does for reasons, and usually it's because it wants to make something cool. Um, so it's a shame when you see that get misinterpreted. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's I, I I was extremely lucky to get the experience that I've had and to meet the people that I have and to have made the friends that I have. Um, yeah, I was very lucky to to get there. It's yeah, it's it's an odd place. It's I imagine working at places like I don't know things like Disney or like probably lego or things like that are kind of similar like the this this passion that you have suddenly becomes your job mm -hmm. um and it does change things a little bit and i mean some people don't always adapt very well to it like you've always got to remember it is a job and there is an objective to it um but being able to 
do something that you love is a really special thing and not everyone gets the opportunity for it mm-hmm. so um yeah so cool. what i would say about working at Gaines workshop is working in the retail chain is really difficult mm-hmm. um and I always had a lot of respect for staff members working in games workshop stores. Um, back when I did that, it was like you'd have multiple people in a store. And I remember working days when it was just me working in the shop. I always found that it was really difficult and very tiring. Um, these days, you get a lot of stores that only have one person running it, and they're responsible for everything. Um, so I have a huge amount of respect to people who do that because it's yeah, it's not easy. It's a bit thankless. No sick days. <laughs> Yeah, no sick days. Well, for a lot of people, they're the first people they meet when they get into the hobby. And that first interaction they have with them forms so much of their future journey in doing this sort of stuff. And even if they're going to stay in it or not. And um, they might, like, you never know when this person, this like new person who comes into the shop, it might be an 11 year old kid who's really shy and introverted and stuff. You never know what all this might mean to them as they grow up. Um, they might meet all these, like, like take me for example, right? like my whole life course has charted because I happened to see a picture of a space marine and then had a good experience when I first went into a games workshop. I mean, the guy who sold me my first space marines became the guy who hired me a number of years later. Um, and I actually met up with him at one point last year and we just like, you know, had a, had a meeting together, had some lunch together. It was really nice to catch up and things. So, um, yeah, they, for them, them being the first encounter for all these people, it can have these ramifications that you just have no idea of. So, yeah, it's, a, it's quite a special privileged position, really. So, yeah, 20 staff members listening. Thank you for doing what you do, I guess. When you when you first started, okay, when you were first uh, on uh, doing painting tutorials on, on GW, were were there a bunch of candidates and you beat yeah. them? <clears throat> yeah, well, so I was there for the, the test footage of like the idea of what we're going to do um, because we did the DVD. And I only did the DVD because my schedule was a bit freer than everyone else and my fingernails looked a bit nicer than everyone else's, so my hands looked better on camera. Um, but like <laughs> I was, I was naturally into it because I wanted to teach these skills to people, yeah. and it's just like a great format to do that. Um, I certainly found that part more interesting than just painting miniatures for White Dwarf or whatever. Right. Um, so, um, but Roger and I got on really well. So when he wanted to develop the idea to the format of what you see more like when we started doing it for Games Workshop, um, like that was all sort of felt out over time. He had a rough idea, and it didn't quite look like that. It kind of evolved until the actual first video came out. Um, but he had me help him do it for the test footage to prove the concept because the two of us got on so well and I understood what he wanted. I mean, the video he made was rubbish. It was building a riptide. It's a full video of how to build a riptide battle suit from start to finish. It's about like an hour and a half long. It's so boring. Um, but it proved the idea of it. So then when the job was offered and the job advert went up, Roger did certainly come down to me super excited and was like, I think you and I could do something really good here. I, please go for it. And I was super scared because I had no idea if it would work. And, you know, at the time, certainly people weren't like that thrilled about the idea of it being an actual job that would last. And really, people didn't like games workshop very much then. And I'd be the only face on it. So, you know, I might suddenly get a load of hate. Um, but I believed in the concept of what we were trying to do of teaching people this stuff. But, yeah, a load of people did apply for the job. And I do remember at the time that people were saying to me I was guaranteed to get it, so I don't even have to, you know, try. But um, that's never the case. You know, someone better certainly can come along. There's always someone better at what you're doing. Um, so I, I worked at it. I practised. You know, I would um, practise, like, as I was cooking dinner, I'd narrate what I was doing to explain why I was doing it. And all awesome. That so, yeah, there were other people who applied. I think there were about six applicants at that time. Um because it was such a niche job at that point. And later on, at other times when we were looking to recruit more people, there'd be more applicants. But yeah, initially there was about six people. And there were some strong contenders there too. You know, it's 
I love hearing that. That's super cool. Uh, I like the chemistry between you and Roger. Just mm-hmm. hit it off, and and uh, you know you found this uh, cool vision that you kind of had together. And what you said made me think about something. You said that there are people, there are better people out there. There's always a better people, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there there is no better Duncan out there than Duncan. <laughs> and so, like, no one can be you but you. And because you are you, and you are who you are now. You are you can't be replaced because uh, like there there is no better Duncan, the, yeah, there, there well, is no better you, and, and I think that's that's really interesting. So it, that just mm-hmm. goes that goes to show that, uh, and this isn't the case in your case because uh, you're, you're a fantastic painter. But if a person who isn't good at painting or doing something, but they somehow get uh, they rise in popularity doing what mm-hmm. they do, and uh, you know they they kind of get this chemistry with with an audience. Uh, they don't necessarily have to be the best at what they do. Uh, they just need to connect well with an audience. And uh, yeah. I mean, you, you're you fortunate in that you have both. Uh, other people, they have just one. Some people are fantastic painters, but they don't connect well with an audience. And so it, it's, uh, yeah. yeah I, it, think, I think what's made it work is because everything that we're doing is focused around actually trying to teach you the thing. It's never about, like I was saying earlier, it's never about like, you know, like me and what I'm doing. Like I, I'm the conduit to learn the skills is firmly how I think of it as. Um, I think, well, from what I've gathered, people pick up on that. And I think so it's quite important. Um, yeah, but I'd, I'd hate it to be just like, oh, it's, it's all about Duncan. What's he done today? You know, it feels a bit weird when it gets to that point for me. You know what's, um, you know what's funny? Okay, so I'm looking at the comments and uh, and I, I agree with the comments. The comments are, Duncan is the best. And this, oh, you guys. <laughs> it, this this is the reason why. I, I think it's because if there was a, let's say there was two models, okay? And then, uh, you know, it's, here. here's this video. You can watch it. It's a model painted by, it's a corn berserker painted by Duncan, or it's a corn berserker painted by somebody else. Uh, and this someone else is Slayer Sword winner, Golden Demon winner, whatever winner, Crystal Bush winner, uh, and then and then Duncan, which uh, is is you, which I think I don't know if you've won awards like that. Uh, I no, I don't really enter competitions. It's not don't enter fun. competitions. See, that's interesting. Uh, I would watch the Duncan one because I know Duncan, and I feel like Duncan could teach me better. And I would just, I just want to watch a Duncan video as opposed to that. That's why Duncan is better, and that's why Duncan's the best. Oh, I don't know what to say. Oh, shucks, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm glad people do. It's, um, it's. Yeah, like I mean, starting the business was super scary because we had no idea how many people were going to sign up. We knew we needed a certain amount to be able to break even, and I certainly had enough savings to allow me to keep going for quite a while. Roger has got more commitments, like he's got kids to look after and things, so he couldn't go the same length of time. So we had a time limit for which we had to become profitable. Right. So it was Trial really period. scary. So day one, we turned it on. We had no idea if people were going to want to support us, but people do. Um, and we've got lots of wonderful members. And it's great talking to them. Um, we just really like making cool content for them. And we've got some like really cool things that, you know, like I can't talk about them right now because I'd get killed. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but we're like, we're working on some really exciting stuff and man, I can't wait to like, like the, I think, um, so I think at Games Workshop, because it's like a very much like a, a self-contained environment, because Games Workshop makes everything that mm-hmm. you need for the hobby. Right. I didn't necessarily think of like myself further out in the industry, um, you know, in the wargaming industry as a whole. So it was certainly a surprise to have um, like the Christmas Eve when it got out that I was leaving. And so I said on Twitter, yeah, I, I am leaving. Um, I suddenly started having these people like getting in touch who I just, I never would have expected quite 
how much they were keen to follow what I was doing. And it was a real surprise. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it, it's, it's an odd thing. I'm just really thankful for it. Like, I can carry on doing what I love doing and, uh, and live, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, think, I think that's great. That's, uh, that's kind of, uh, that's the best of all worlds to be doing something that you love and uh, yeah. people are enjoying it. Uh, yeah. And it's like for Roger as well. He's he's so happy because like he's been wanting to um, like he, he he wants to buy a house. You know he wants to be able to get a full house for his family and do all that sort of good stuff. And he's now getting to the point where he's able to be generating the savings to be able to do this sort of thing. Um, so it's like it's like oh, like it's, it's working out. Like, are we dreaming? This is we can actually like do this, and it's cool, and like we're in control of our own destiny. And it's like, all right, what shall we do tomorrow? Well, we know that the customers want to see all this sort of stuff. So how are we going to do it? And you know, it's 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 a great position to be in. Um, you know, like, we have days where it's like, oh, so we need to go and do this thing. All right, we're going to drive to Birmingham to go and buy the gear and stuff. And it's like, it's us doing it because we want to do it. And we need the stuff and we like, you realize we're doing it because we know what we're doing. Yeah. And it's like, it's a real liberating feeling for that. Um, I certainly would recommend to anyone who's um, able to have a go at like doing their own thing and starting their own business. I mean, it's like difficult times for it. But like, thank God it's working for us now. Um, but anyone who wants to try it, definitely try it because if it works and you can become self-employed and do your own thing, man, it's, it's so good. It, it feels so good about forging your own way in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Jeremy Witt is right. Uh, he is so speaking of you, this is what he says. He's so humble. He's so humble. We don't deserve Duncan. He is pure and must be protected at all costs. <laughs> 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 uh, this is great uh oh. and so okay dave walker says this let's see what does dave say uh dave walker says yeah my favorite thing about duncan is he seems so totally chill and normal just a great painter and teacher makes you trust him and yourself as you're painting and learning oh, that's good, that's good. I, yeah all, all people to have the confidence to at least give things a go what would you say to uh you've probably got asked this question a million times a day but like to a new painter because there's a bunch of comments. Like, what would you? What advice would you give to a new painter? Oh, um, don't be scared. You know, it's you're going to make mistakes. Things are going to go wrong. Um, but you're going to learn through all of it. Anyone can do it. Um, like uh, that's why I keep my first miniature. That's why we still got them in the office. Um, because my first model's like it's terrible. <laughs> I made so many mistakes on it. But it's because I didn't know anything and I had to learn it all and figure it all out. And I was very shy, so I wouldn't really ask. These days, it's very different with the amount of resources you got available to you. But um, you shouldn't let any kind of fear of, oh, if I paint that thing and it looks rubbish, people are going to laugh at me. I'm not very good. You know, like that's all that's all poisonous thinking that is. Um, if you want to achieve the, the results that you like see on the box and you want to make your army look as cool as that, um, you can do it. It's like anything, you know, if you want to learn a skill, it takes a bit of time and effort, but it's not like it's, uh, it's not rocket science or anything. And once you understand these fundamental basics, you can really do anything. Um, so I think, yeah. I just encourage them, just give it a go. Don't be scared of, of failure, I guess. So if you were to put the fundamental basics into uh, chapter headings, what, what would it be? Oh, <laughs> well, tooth and coats and thin your paints would be in there. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, brush control would be a thing about how to actually 
like hold the miniature in your brush and just simple things like today we were doing a video where we we're talking about a thing of like you know having you like you see i'd see it a lot in these painting sessions at like adepticon people would be paint, trying to paint the thing and they'd be sort of like have their hands like that and the hands would be floating all over the place and you'd be like right pause there put your hands there like that like now try it and they're like oh my hands aren't shaking anymore <laughs> there you go so it's like so that's the thing like how do you hold these things it's all super basic stuff that often just gets forgotten about so i think yeah yeah i think that would be kind of on like you know, what brush to use and what palettes for um these kind of fundamental things once you've got like nail down those techniques it's like all right so what color do i start with and that more depends on what you paint in this way <laughs> so brush control mm. tooth and coats uh, the Big Red Bear says, it's not just for new people. I've played tabletop and built slash painted models since I was eight. I'm by no means a perfect painter, but I can say Duncan has helped improve my hobby after more than 20 years. Oh, I'm really glad. That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's always something new to learn. Um, like for me, like if, if I start thinking, oh, I know everything, I don't need to learn anything else, then it's like, yeah, you're, you're getting for a rude awakening. There's always something new to learn. Always learning. Yeah, there's always something you get better at. Oh, yeah. yeah what yeah. was the latest thing that you've learned? Oh, um, I've been learning non-metallic metals at the moment. Um, it's been a thing I've been doing. Um, so I'd probably say that uh, because our members have been asking for a video on it. So um, what we're doing is approaching doing it in our kind of way. So, yeah, yeah, I'd say that. Oh, I, I did some um, some more wet blending for a video. Um, that's normally not done yet, but I've been working on my ability to do that as well. Um, yeah. So, okay, so... Uh... We're going to do a couple more questions and then we'll do a chaos comment bomb. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So question number one, mm -hmm. does Duncan miss Warhammer fantasy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you want any more than that? I can go into detail. Um, yeah. I, so I miss it because of the world. Um, I liked the game. I do like the game. Um, I even miss Warhammer Ancients, which is basically Warhammer Fantasy, like fifth edition, but then with a different kind of arena of weapons rather than magic. Um, but yeah, like I, I just really like the Warhammer Fantasy world. So Warhammer Total War is just amazing just to see it all come to life. Um, definitely miss my Bretonians. Um, but I also understand why um, the move to Age of Sigmar happened, because the reality was that Warhammer Fantasy just wasn't selling that well, just how it was. So something had to happen, otherwise it was going to end and that'd be it. Um, you know, like there's ups and downs of how all that was done um i think a lot of lessons were done i don't think you'd see games workshop doing end times in the way that they did it before um i think it would be done in a radically different and much more open way um because i don't think the community took it in quite the way they expected it to um at least that's what i perceived anyway um but you can see that you know they're, they're aware that there's a demand for it with the announcement of the old world like well okay so warmer fantasy returning in some way um uh, I, I've been saying, I remember saying in some of my um, seminars, like, uh, we just end up chatting about Warhammer Fantasy with the, the people in there. And my hot take was, I bet you within the next 10 years, Warhammer Fantasy will return in some form or another. And mm -hmm. what I expected it to be was a module of Age of Sigmar style rules, but with the Warhammer Fantasy world. I thought it'd be something like that, and it'd be like a little side project. And I even said it'd probably be done by Forge World. Then lo and behold, in like one of my last few days, this announcement comes out of the old world, and like with a square base on it. Now, um, just to be clear, I've got utterly no idea of how this thing's going to look. Um, I've seen there's lots of rumours about different scales and things, and different game systems, and like multi-based things, like you see with um, some uh, some other historical games and stuff. I have no idea how this thing's going to look. Um, I just hope it's got Bretonians in it, and it's 28mm scale. That's my 
It's my hope. Uh, <laughs> but if you don't like it, you can always play the old game, I suppose. So, okay. So before we do a Chaos Common Bomb and, and do a, a few more questions here, um, I do need to request something from you guys, the viewers. If you're watching on Facebook or or Twitch or YouTube for that matter, uh, share this live video right now and say, Duncan is about to lead a chaos comment bomb. Join <laughs> the stream so that you can chaos comment bomb with Duncan. That's all I want to say. So share it so that uh, <laughs> we can get more because it's uh, that's that's what it's all about is getting a lot of comments on one specific video, which we have, uh, which Duncan has uh, uh, chosen for you guys, which we'll do in a moment. Give you guys a, a minute to, to share it just so there's more. Uh, in the meantime, uh, more questions. Uh, do you uh, does do you think that old worlds will replace AOS? No, nope. Okay, absolutely not. Um, Age of Sigmar's, uh, from what I last heard, was doing absolutely fine and was doing better than what Warhammer Fantasy was doing for like the three or something years before it ended. Right. Um, so you got to understand that whilst um, like I I totally get the love for the old world and Warhammer Fantasy and stuff because like I share that I, I it was um, at the time when all that was happening it was my favorite game um, but the reality was people weren't really buying the miniatures anymore um, so what do you do um, I think um, they've committed so much to Age of Sigmar now that it would be um, a bit daft to turn around um, so Age of Sigmar is going to carry on developing and it's going to become its own thing like you know like how 40k has got all that deeper lore Age of Sigmar is on its way to being like that um, but, you know, I think there's always going to be people who love Warhammer Fantasy and Forge World stuff is the perfect place for it. Yeah. Uh, do you think the Lion will get his own 40K model since he has his model in 30K? <laughs> um, oh, uh, another plastic Primark for 40K. Um, I reckon one's going to happen sooner or later. Not, no idea what it's going to be. Um, if I was a betting man, um, which I can be sometimes, um, <laughs> especially when it's like if i'm playing scrabble with my girlfriend and it's a dangerous move where she's going to get a triple letter if i do that i'll do it because i, I like the gamble <laughs> like if she didn't get it i will anyway it's a different story um i think um if they i'm sure they will do one and i want to make this very clear i don't know that they're doing one remember i've not been there for a year now i've got no idea what they're working on now um i would bet that it would be another chaos one um, I would bet it would probably be something like Angron alongside a big reimagining of the World Eaters with new corn berserkers and stuff like that. Um, or it would be Fulgrimmer with an, a new <clears throat> wave of Empress children. I would bet it'd be one of those two. Um, and it would be part of a big wave, just like you saw with the Thousand Sons and the Death Guard. It'd be the same sort of thing with a reimagining of what the core cult troop would be. There'd be like some kind of Terminator elite thing. And a few of the units use mini tanks, and it all revolving around a demon Primark is yes. what I put my money on. Yes. Um, if it was going to be a loyalist, though, um, could literally be any of them. Just no idea. Anyone, just, yeah. <laughs> just whoever, whoever they do, that's, that's what they do. And yeah, that, that knowing the format of how these things have been going over the last few years, I would reckon it'd be one of these chaos range relaunches. What's the most difficult model you've ever painted? Oh, um, uh, so in terms of a video, I would probably say um, 
Nagash was difficult. There's so different different reasons. Quite hard to pick one. Nagash was a very difficult one because it's the biggest, most complex thing we'd done at that point, and I was really scared of getting it wrong as we were doing the video. So there's a lot of more um, complex things I was having to do, and I was quite scared of getting it wrong on this video format. Um, Archaeon was very intimidating, but that video turned out to be great, so that wasn't so bad in the end. I think recently the Silent King was quite difficult because we had a very tight schedule of getting that video done. So that was quite a tiring, intensive week of doing that one. So, yeah, probably probably one of those. Makes sense. Mm. Bigger models. A lot mm. of detail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're going to do the Chaos Comet Bomb now. Mm. And if you haven't done a Chaos Comet Bomb before, here, let me just uh, pull this up here. Uh, all right, here we go. Okay, so if you haven't done a Chaos Comet Bomb, this is how it works. I'm going to post a link in the chat, and I'll, I'll post it a bunch of times so it's unmistakable what it is. Leave a comment on this YouTube video. Uh, this is one today. Uh, Duncan himself has chosen this. Uh, this is a, uh, a YouTuber. Right, leave a comment, something like, uh, Duncan and Dave say hi from the Shrine of Chaos. Uh, you have been Chaos Comet Bombed. Uh, collect chaos because this is the uh, best choice in life. Whatever you say, <laughs> it just let this uh, one up painting, that's the name of the YouTube channel, uh, let him know. Yeah, that's right. And what's his name? He's a. Uh... Uh, his name's Alex. Alex. He's actually, he's a lad I, let at, I met him at Adepticon um, a year or two ago. And um, he's basically, he just loves the hobby and he's been inspired enough to have a go at doing painting videos himself. And um, basically what I'd like to do with this is just to encourage him to keep at it because he puts a lot of work into these and he deserves some acknowledgement for it. Fantastic. Uh, and he's, he's young. He's, what, 15, 16? He's just getting into I the hobby. Yeah. Yeah he's, yeah, he's not very old. You can see he's really, like I say, he's put a lot of work into it. He's done, so B1 Battle Droids are what we've got here. Star Wars Legion is the thing that he's been doing. He's also done Bosk as well. And you can see in that Bosk video especially, he's put a lot of work into that. And it's like for one person to do all that and to do his tuition the way he's done it, it's not easy. So, yeah, like he's he's done a really good job. So, yeah, yeah. So say nice things to him and maybe subscribe, I don't know. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, man, look at that. Endorsed by Duncan. That's... Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is this is sweet. This is what I love. I hope that these notifications are connected to his phone and it's exploding right now. I hope so. Yeah, because <laughs> I think about it, like he um, if he's just going to put this much effort into something off his own back because he's inspired and wants to help people learn how to paint that stuff better, then man, he deserves all the encouragement in the world. He, he might be doing my job one day. You don't know. <laughs> you just never know. Uh, mm -hmm. And so yeah, I just posted a link again. So. If you want to participate in the Chaos Comet Bomb, just click on that link that I've just posted there to the YouTube video and leave a comment on that video. And, uh, and that's that. Yeah, I like to refresh <laughs> the comments just to see because, you know, it's it's fun. Uh, and this this is great because this particular YouTube channel uh, video had 94 views when we first started and there were four comments. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that that's, <laughs> that's my favorite when it starts low like that. Because then the impact just feels like it's definitely a, like a fly bazooka <laughs> type of comment feeling. Uh, and it's funny. Some people actually suggested that we comment bomb you, uh, which not opposed to. We have comment bombed you a couple times before. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Roger will suddenly, because he sees the, the comments coming up on YouTube. So he suddenly phones me up of going, what's going on? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'm so happy to hear that because I, I never know the response, right? Like uh, when I hear it, it it's, yeah. it's 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 good. It's fun to hear. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea what's going on, and I'm like, well, man, <laughs> it's just chaos, isn't it? You know, it just happens. All right, so <laughs> it definitely happens. I agree with that. Uh, okay, so uh, so question here. Uh, this is an interesting one to get your thoughts on it. So what do you think about the decision to make the Primaris Marines their own units as opposed to replacing the old Marines? Why do you think that happened that way? Um, so my theory um, would be that um, there's a sort of, well, these new Primaris marines are so much bigger than the old ones how do you stop people thinking that their old stuff is now invalid and you know like the remember like with the reaction we're talking about with age of sigma right remember the, the famous video of the guy who set fire to his dark elf army i think the reason for the primaries being their own separate units is to basically avoid that bad feeling and again i'd like to emphasize i don't know i wasn't in the meetings this happened i just saw the kits coming out um so i would imagine that in the future it's going to be a bit of a merger. I don't know if they'll still be called Primaris or what or how that gets negotiated, but I mean, um, it's like it's like the the old Space Marines when you stand them next to the Primaris ones, they do look very squat and very short and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a very brief time when Space Marines started getting bigger. If you look at the Death Watch veterans and the um, uh, the Space Marine heroes, the first wave of those, if you stand them next to a primaris they're about the same size mm-hmm. so i think there was a wave of that but like a, a thought of well why don't we modernize them fully like you know kind of the difference between the master chief and the first halo and the more recent like halo you know the kind of difference of the detail you can put into their armor um so yeah i think it's basically just to stop people freaking out and thinking that the collections are not in void anymore um but yeah I, I i foresee that they're gradually going to kind of start to equalize and um i was kind of surprised but i think you know, there's evidence of that when you look at the most recent edition coming out and all Space Marines suddenly have two wounds. Like Primaris. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Which, uh, how do you feel about that? Um, it doesn't really bother me. Um, I think, um, so I'm always wary of power creep in games. I don't like something becoming too powerful. Um, I I think the, the, the Primaris tanks, I'd be a bit concerned about that from the sheer amount of guns they got on them. Yeah. Um, so I think there's certainly a scaling thing that I'd be concerned about. Um, but when it comes to um, them replacing, I, I don't really mind it. I mean, I, the way I see it, it's like a new version of power armor. So just kind of use them alongside. It's just that they look a bit weird compared to the small space marines. I'm using the bigger ones, so like, like very brief wave before the Primaris came out. They look absolutely fine next to them. And when people put classic marine heads onto Primaris, they look really cool as well. Um, so yeah, it's just it's a thorny issue. Is the trouble? Like I don't know. Like for me, I wouldn't really mind if they were just a straight up replacement and it was like, um, hey everybody, we've updated Space Marines. They now look like this. They're basically the same as what you've got. So please don't freak out. We're just trying to make them look cool and we can't think of any way of doing it. Like just a real transparent way of doing that. Yeah. But likewise, I can see why you'd introduce it as part of a story to again stop people panicking. It's you know, when it comes to the internet, people always like run off with the worst possible theory of what it could be and you know hearsay happens and stuff so it's difficult to maneuver around it but yeah like it's just a, the nature of it. it's going to happen sooner or later you're going to get updated duncan it's quite bold doing it <laughs> uh do you have a pile of shame also do you have any idea what's in there um yeah i do yeah i've got a huge pile of shame huge um yeah there's a lot of stuff i've bought i've never got around to painting <laughs> 
Um, when you've got half price at Games Workshop as well, oh, man, hmm, that shame part becomes pretty big, pretty quick. Um, <laughs> could you I, could I, you open a store? Is that how much you have? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know we've had some companies have sent us stuff because they wanted to support our business, so they'd send us some of their models for us to paint. So I've got a few boxes of things got that way. And it's always really generous to companies when they do that sort of thing. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but like i've got so much stuff. my trouble is i'm a hobby butterfly so i keep flitting between different subjects and i'm like oh i could do that i could do that i could do that i can never quite settle and stick with things <laughs> which i thought it really irritates me that i do that but i mean i've got loads of um like for example like uh, like it's quite much like historical things right i've got quite a lot of different historical army things just waiting to be painted now, one day i will paint them but i don't know yet I mean, like the recent thing, I've actually become quite interested in painting some American Civil War stuff, doing a Union army. And the reason is because I've had the models for a while, but I saw this photo of someone who painted an army. And it just looked really cool. Like It's like the sort of thousand point kind of size army. And I just thought, that looks really cool. I'd like to do something like that. And I can learn a bit about the history. So, yeah. But at the same time, I'd like to do an ancient army. And I'm like, man, hoplites look cool. And last year, um, so <laughs> Roger often jokingly calls me a nerd. And he's like, oh, what are you painting? And I'll be like, oh, I'm painting some Macedonian Pharangites or something like that. And he'd be like, oh, some Romans, right? I'm painting French Napoleonic soldiers. Oh, Romans. He doesn't care. He just calls them Romans. And he calls them specifically to, to like <laughs> show how little he cares about the nerdy detail that I'm into. Um, anyway, last Christmas, he bought me a box of Romans as a joke. So I've been looking at those recently and going, hmm, yeah, I could. I can enjoy painting those right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got a huge pile of shame. It's really embarrassing. It's nearly goes to the ceiling. Is um, is Roger into the hobby too? Yeah, yeah. He's not into it in the same way I am. He just like appreciates it more of like art because Roger's a very artistic person. Does he play? Um, so he just likes painting. Sorry? Does he play? Um, every now and then. We've had a few games, but no, he's just more into enjoying painting stuff. Um, he really likes um, Sylvaneth for all the bright colours. That you know, like he likes the idea of doing them in autumnal colours, so oranges and stuff like that. And um, he, he, like me, has um, become interested in Song of Ice and Fire because when you get into that game, each faction's got a starter box, which essentially is a core box game with all the rules and terrain and dice and stuff, with one army in it, and it's a full-size army. And um, he loves the concept of all of that as like a self-contained thing. So he's been painting a free folk army for that. So that's what he's got on his desk at the moment. Mm. So yeah, he's not quite... I, meanwhile, have painted three armies for it now. Um, but he sort of like enjoys it for the artistic thing and like, you know, the sculpt, the miniature and bringing it to life. Okay, cool. That's cool. The, that, that makes sense though. I mean, it's kind of contagious too. And mm-hmm. even though he's behind the scenes, uh, one can't help but, you know, be immersed in it so much and eventually get into it. Um, but we, uh, we're going to end it here. So thank you very mm-hmm. much guys for uh, tuning in and just one last shout out to, uh, to you, Duncan, and your channels. If you're watching this on YouTube, Twitch, or Facebook, I've included all of the links to your social media. So if you want to find Duncan, you can find his website link and his YouTube and Facebook pages there too. Uh, and the best way to support Duncan is by going to his website, becoming a member, so you can see even more exclusive content and painting tutorials. And so you can uh, get more immersed in, in the painting world that is Warhammer and uh, other games in the miniature wargaming. And thanks for all you do, man. Keep on going. Uh, it's thanks very much yeah uh, it's been great talking to you all and uh yeah and catching up <laughs> stay tuned next week guys uh 1 p.m eastern time for another episode of the shrine of chaos and happy wargaming